0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Volani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: And welcome. We'd love to hear from you. If you have questions for Dr. Debbie or for Joey Volani, uh, you can call from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. So lots of ways to get your questions answered and your answers questioned. Something huh? like that. I don't know. The, word, the words are all there. You put them in the right order. Coming up on today's show, Jeremy Cohn, Attorney Jeremy Cohn, the dog lawyer, will be back with us. This is a guy who, he was uh, in insurance fraud. Now, he wasn't committing insurance fraud. He was trying to prosecute. Prosecute, yeah. Trying to prosecute people for insurance fraud. And he was probably making a lot of money doing that. But he said, you know, it's it's unfulfilling. He gave it up and he became a dog attorney. And he represents dogs only. He may represent other animals, but he works for a firm called Boston Dog Lawyers. So I assume that it's mostly dogs. And some of the cases that he's involved with, well, think about this, custody. <laughs> custody battles over the dog. Because Twenty years ago, you know, no one really fought over who gets to keep the dog or the cat. But it's it's a fairly common thing just now as it is the car or the TV. Who gets you know, to keep? I, the... I
2: beg to differ, Hal, yeah. Because I dated a guy like seventeen years ago, yeah. who who did who went to court with his ex wife over custody of their was it two or three dogs. Yeah, wow. but yeah, that was the first I had heard of it. That's pretty rare back
1: then. How did that pan out?
2: Uh, they had shared custody.
1: Okay, just like children, like shared Like half and half, yeah. Unlike children, these animals are property in the eyes of the law, unfortunately. It's like fighting over the toaster, pretty much. So there's a lawyer that'll help you with
3: that. I've been on the veterinary side of clients that have had um, custody issues with their dogs and uh, you know, had visitation, and you know, they one would get the dog for one month, the other would get it for another, and you know, it's incredible some of the health issues that can come up with changes in routines. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, and especially for elderly pets, it can be very difficult for them to reacclimate when we move them from one environment to another. So that was really one big thing in their in their legal proceedings was you know, the, the split custody was actually becoming a, a problem for the pet. Mm.
1: Wow. So, yeah. Well, this guy he kind of defends that kind of stuff. People that uh, may not be able to get into apartments, or their insurance goes up because they have a certain breed dog. And uh, he's on the way in just a couple of minutes, right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom?
2: You know, there there are these shelters which are they called they're called no kill shelters, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. You know, and a lot of shelters are no kill shelters anymore. We got a story, uh, tragic, where uh, a no kill shelter became a kill shelter. And it was the employees who really end up telling the story. And I'll share it with you coming up. Mm -hmm. Okay,
1: that's on the way. You know, a lot of these shelters, they want to claim that they're no-kill shelters. And they actually manipulate the numbers to become Mm -hmm. no-kill
3: shelters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's Uh ways to use outside parties to adopt the animals too. And then they take the responsibility of the animal and you no longer have it.
1: So we'll find out a little more about the no-kill shelters and what's happening uh, with Lori Brooks in a check of the news at the bottom of the hour. But first, your calls right now. This portion of Animal Radio Underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. And let's go to Sherry. Hey, Sherry.
4: Hey, Hal. How are you today?
1: Doing okay. What's up with you?
4: Excellent. Well, I have a little five-year-old black chihuahua bread <laughs> whether it matters or not i just think i'd throw that in there um, <laughs> okay she, she has just started in the last few weeks doing doing a very odd behavior for her she's usually my calm little girl and she'll pretty much be really quiet but lately she has been crying from upstairs and making me come and get her um mm, okay she won't she won't leave if there's a potty pad on the floor or her or her bed or a blanket or whatever. She doesn't want to leave the area she's in and go and touch the floor, regardless of, of what the floor is. It's it's almost as if she's lost her depth perception. She's afraid to go in and out of a door now, like she she's so trepidatious about just stepping outside because she just doesn't have that reassurance, I guess, that there's something there. And I'm just wondering if, you know, this is something that I can fix or if this is something that's going to get worse or. Hmm.
3: Well, you know, I've had had dogs go through different things like this, but there's a whole host of different causes and ways that we deal with it, Um, because there is definitely a a potential for a medical problem that's going on. So I think that's the first thing is I'd want to take a look at your dog, um, do a good exam of our eyes and see if we could discover anything that could be causing any vision problems, um, or orientation problems that she might be having. Cause that is a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing, um, can be, you know, if there was something that had happened that it was either painful or scary that happened, um, in a certain situation. And, and this can happen a lot with dogs that say, you know, slip or lose their footing on a certain type of, uh, substrate, and then they are therefore. Mm-hmm uneasy about going in that area again Um, Mm -hmm. so so that is um you know that that takes a little bit of kind of sleuth work and figuring it out now if you're saying it's happening on pretty much anywhere if she's leaving her little comfort zone um that's a little bit harder to investigate you know especially over the phone here um but she she
4: will she'll climb down i have a little set of stairs it's by the couch and she will climb down the stairs and then as soon as she goes to reach the bottom, she'll just turn around and climb right back up. And then she cries because she wants to go outside and go potty. So then I pick mm. her up and I put her in front of the door to go potty, but she won't go out. I then have to pick her up and put her out and then okay. she'll go out and do her thing. And then she comes back and she'll go halfway in the door. And, and then I'm, I stay out of her way. So I'm not, you know, in her mm. way of any, and she'll go halfway out the door and then she comes halfway be, back in. This morning, She was laying on her blanket, and my husband put a a little piece of carrot in front of her, but far enough so she'd have to get off the blanket. So she got Mm -hmm. all the way off the blanket but left one foot on the blanket and just stretched as far as she could.
3: Okay. Well, that's a success. We can build on that. (laughs) Yes. Very odd. It's It's just so odd for her. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to ask you to, you know, get a good vet exam because I do want to make sure her eyes are checked out as well as, you know, orthopedically, just make sure there's nothing that's, that's hurting her there. So, you know, if this is just some particular phobia, um, fear that she's developed, then what you guys have started to do is, is really the right way, not forcing her because we can't force a pet through a fear, but trying to find small successes along the way. Um, I've had dogs where they have problems going through thresholds like doors. Um, Mm -hmm. and that can be something very challenging. I had a dog that wouldn't go outside um, to go to the bathroom. was terrified Mm -hmm. to go through the doorway. So we did have to work through a lot of kind of desensitizing to that. Um, So Mm -hmm. with uh, really high value treats, um, things like cheese, hot dogs, you know, little bits of something super tasty and um, just kind of practicing it over and over, just going, you know, short distances. And it may mean that we kind of help her make some of that. So you might carry her part of the way and then just kind of ask her to take maybe one step in an uncomfortable zone and then reward her when she does that small little bit. Um, okay. And, and there are some dogs that this could also be triggered from being kind of fearful in general. So doing confidence-building exercises can be helpful. Um, and that sounds always kind of goofy when I say that to people. <laughs> Build the confidence of your dog. <laughs> um, yeah. But basically, it just means that, you know, we can be so afraid of leaving what we know that almost like an agoraphobic person doesn't want to leave their house. So dogs can kind of have that same thing where they they know what they know and they don't always want to go out and venture into the unknown. So for that, confidence building exercises are really anything that your dog learns as a skill and that they practice repeatedly after. So that might be something like obedience tricks, um, you know, doing things like healing on a leash, sitting down, stay, giving paw, rolling over. Um, other dogs, um, you know, get into things like agility um, or fly ball as activities and those have the benefit of burning energy and kind of anxiety as well as giving them a skill that they learn. And that is how dogs build confidence. So um, you might work on things that's like that at home. Yeah. And not that that's that's going to fix everything. But when a dog is more confident um, and mm-hmm. less less fearful, then they're going to be these kind of things are, are less of an issue for them. So, yeah, so I shouldn't call some her like a
4: five month old and wrap her in a blanket all day.
3: Oh uh, no, <laughs> no! You know I'm a I'm a tough doggy mama. So, but I, I can tell you, I had a my one dog was fearful of stepping out over black tile in my floor i had you know Mm -hmm. white tile and like a border of black shiny tile and it looked like the great abyss to him so he would come up to it and go oh my god and backpedal and he freaked out so bad so what i did is exactly what i told you to do is i took little Mm -hmm. treats kind of just threw it in there he would at first just le- reach his head out grab the treat never touch his foot on the area and then we gradually built up to it over and over and repeating it and he's gotten over that and now i think he looks at it and he just well, pff, whatever <laughs> get us about that black tile <laughs> yeah. so make sure you do yeah, see the vet please
4: I'm doing, yeah i'm going to the vet, vet first that's where i'm going to go first so, thank you great so thanks much. so much give
1: that chihuahua a big old hug from all of us here at animal radio what are you working on over there in the newsroom
2: Um, There is uh, another major city, but it's not in California. It has become another one of those big cities that will be outlawing an elective animal procedure surgery.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
5: i didn't know dogs
0: could drive it's the wayne west virginia walmart and employee is on a break when a car starts inching towards her instead of screaming and running the other way like i would have she assumed the driver maybe was messing with her until she saw a dog behind the wheel what do you think thoughtful
5: innocent bystander dogs can be your best friends and in this situation they can be your enemy too
0: <laughs> the car crashed into the front of the walmart another dog in the passenger seat pushed the car window down to say hi the owner left her car running So her dogs could stay cool while she was shopping. The dog knocked the car out of park. Innocent bystander, what's the first thing you'd think if a car was coming at you being driven by a dog?
5: I would laugh for sure, and then I'd be like, oh, wow, dogs can
6: drive.
1: Am I the only one who would run away? This is Animal Radio. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
4: Hi, this is Joyce Stewart on Animal
7: Radio. Please stay and neuter your animals. Thank you. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic. And maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? He said, call Pet Joy right now. 800 451 1359. 800 451 1359. 800 451 1359. That's 800 451 1359. Live at the Red Barn Studios,
0: you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
1: It's Animal Radio. Needless to say, I work in a very, uh, I'd like to say sexually driven environment. There's a lot of ladies here and there's a, a picture of a fireman calendar. It's got um, with, kittens,
6: Hal. It's yeah, animal but, relay. This is animal radio go. after
1: all. Yeah. Well, I'm sure if there was more men working here that, that that calendar probably wouldn't even exist. It would be I'd be right over to HR or it's, someone would be over to HR. Kittens. That's all I got to
6: say. <laughs> Just saying. Just right. saying. That's it.
1: But now you guys are drooling over this picture of the smart team, which is, and smart stands for Specialized Mobile Animal Rescue Team. These guys that of LA, they're They're, they're hunks. They're, I mean, they are hunks and they're heroes. They're
6: heroes. That's what I meant to I the H, I had it right.
1: These guys climb tall buildings and mountains to rescue animals. Wow. Yes, which takes a lot of guts. Something uh, I would never could never catch me doing anything like that because it's i'm afraid of heights <laughs> i sit in a high chair i'm afraid you know my chairs have to be low it's i low. don't even like to get into an rv or
6: you know sit at a bar SUV. Cause the bar stools are yeah, too high way too high yeah
1: uh but these guys will be on the show in just a couple of minutes at least acting lieutenant armando navarrete i'm just practicing the name so that i don't keep practicing there, huh? Nav- <laughs> Navarrete.
6: <laughs> yeah you got your work cut out for you
3: uh, I'm excited to meet some animal heroes. I think this is going to be really, really rewarding and um, hopefully inspiring some people to, you know, look outside the box, you know, animal control positions and all sorts of different ways that you can help.
1: There really is. And we'll find out about them just around the corner. We're also going to take your calls. So go ahead and dial now. Will you take another one, Dr. Debbie?
3: I am. I'm ready. Let's do Let's it.
1: See, Eeny, meeny, miny, Which one? Two. Line two. Line two. We have Randy. Hey, Randy. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Doing good. Where are you good. calling from?
5: Well, I am um, going eastbound on Interstate eighty through Nebraska.
1: Wow, OTR.
5: Uh, yes, sir. Okay,
1: please don't call me sir. That's my dad. <laughs> I have I have Doctor Debbie right here. She can help you. What's going on with your animal?
3: Well, hey. Well, actually, hi, Doctor Debbie. What you got going on there? Well, I was just wondering. You know, uh,
5: I have a little corgi, a, a Cardigan corgi, and we go to some pretty strange areas. Uh, We go off out in the boonies all the time, and I'm constantly worried about, you know, scorpions and snakes and stuff like that. What kind of first aid should I have going? What kind of a, you know, if she was to get hit by a snake, Mm -hmm. what should I do? Good question.
3: Yeah. And, And, you know, I think every pet owner, especially if you travel, should have some form of a basic Um, first aid kit, and that is going to be mimicking very much what you would have in your human first aid kit, but with some additions, and and the things that I want to always make sure in a pet first aid kit we have um, are... um not just things like nail trimmers, but also the styptic solution, because broken toenails come up all the time. Uh, I see it at animal events that I go to attend, um, tweezers to pull things out. When we're talking about things like rattlesnakes, the, the truly the best thing, the best first aid tip with a rattlesnake bite is your car keys. That is the best Thing that you can provide for your pet is to get them in the vehicle and get them to a veterinarian right away there is nothing absolutely nothing that you can do in the field that's going to increase their survival better than seeing a veterinarian as fast as you can that being said all those kind of things out there that people tell you to do for rattlesnake bites you know we don't want to do most of those things Um, So, yeah, all those things that you hear about cutting it, sucking the venom out, um, you know, putting a tourniquet on it, putting ice on it, all of those are completely wrong. Um, They will actually increase the rate of the venom um, affecting the animal. So what you want to do is keep the pet calm. You want to keep the bite area, whatever part of the body's been bitten, keep it below the heart level. That slows the rate that the venom reaches uh, the rest of the pet. Um, And maybe within that first aid kit, you can have some Benadryl. It it won't hurt in the event of a a snake bite, but it's certainly not going to be the cure-all that's going to really save them. uh, Prompt. Veterinary attention is really the best thing for any of these snake bites, and which can be trouble. You know, if you're traveling, I don't know if you're out in some of these remote areas, um, but uh, that's unfortunately is maybe a good directory to veterinarians in the areas that you are traveling through. For emergency centers, would also be a good thing to have some points along the road that you know you can contact day or night um, a veterinary service.
5: Oh, okay. So uh, I thought perhaps a tourniquet, but I don't know. Yeah. They don't even recommend tourniquets on people
8: hardly anymore.
3: Exactly. And what the problem is with the tourniquet is that, you know, it, while it may keep that venom in that area, it actually can enhance the tissue effects of the venom in that particular area. So it can make it much worse. Um, so that's really why we don't want to do that. And, you know, there is a you know rattlesnake vaccine out there um, for pets that are maybe in higher uh, risk uh, lifestyles and areas. It's, you know, it's still out there a little bit in the veterinary community, whether or not it truly helps um, the survival after a snake bite um, because we do occasionally see pets that have had the rattlesnake vaccine that still don't always make it from a rattlesnake bite so um, it, it's definitely not a hundred percent but that might be even one thing to consider if uh, you know if your doggy is in those kind of high risk areas and you want to do what you can to try to try to help them out
5: is there a uh, uh, some sort of a time table that you could give me you know i mean
1: like how fast to get to the vet
3: how fast Yuck. to get
1: as fast as
3: you can. As fast as you can, we know that use of the anti-venin that we use to help counter the reaction to snake bites, that ideally ought to be um, administered within four hours. But truly, within the first 30 minutes to an hour, is really, we're talking get to the vet as quickly as you can. Um, So we don't really want to even put a timeline on it. It is that imperative to speed counts. (laughs) But don't tell the trooper I said that.
0: (laughs) You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
4: Hi, this is Iron Chef Cat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet.
0: Attention sports fans. Now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home. With Dish for about 50 bucks a month free installation as soon as tomorrow but you gotta call all american dish right now
7: 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 that's 800-380-4452
2: this is an animal radio news update and i'm Lori brooks denver has become the first u.s city outside of California, that is, to make a certain move protecting cats. At the same time, it has also become the first city in Colorado to ban the declawing of cats. Yay! Yeah, a new law there prohibits veterinarians in the city from performing the controversial procedure unless it is medically necessary. Cat lovers are praising the Denver City Council for passing the ordinance declaring that the elective declawing of cats is both inhumane and painful to cats. However, not everybody there is happy about this new ban. The Colorado Veterinary Medical Association opposed it saying that the decision to declaw a cat should be made between veterinarians and their clients without government interference. But among the issues that declawing can cause for cats Uh, those include aggression due to pain limping painful walking and litter box problems because of it becoming painful when they try to dig into the gravel or litter well the recently hired director and two board members of an animal shelter in richmond indiana have been removed from their positions following a huge public outcry over the euthanasia of seven dogs Several petitions had been created calling for Director Jamie Glendon to be fired, as well as the resignation of some, if not all, of the board members, but particularly those members who sat on the so-called euthanasia committee, which had actually voted to have the dogs put down. Now, this all started coming to light when workers at this supposed no-kill shelter said so they noticed last month that some of the dogs at the shelter were missing, Several of them. The director had told them the dogs were pulled by a rescue that would adopt them out to families. But it... Was kind of suspicious because the director refused to say where that rescue was located. Well, later she did admit that the dogs were euthanized because she said they were aggressive and known to be bite risks. The biggest problem in this situation, well, it pretty much all started with a lying and the lack of integrity. Because most uh, no kill shelters, they do have policies that allow them to euthanize cats and dogs that are extremely ill or are considered dangerous to the public. But the workers say they were misled about the dogs' fate and that when they found out that those dogs had been killed, they were told to lie to the public. Ross and Rachel. I know, you come up with the Friends theme song in your head thinking about the old TV show, but we're not talking about them. This Ross and Rachel is a mother and son pair of cats who have gained a lot of fame and are up for adoption now in the U.K., Ross is only five years old, but he has no ears. And Both Ross and his mother, Rachel, both are blind, but they are inseparable and now looking for a home together. They were feral cats when they were finally trapped. Ross's ears then had to be amputated because he had so many wounds and they were just too infected. Getting bonded animals adopted out together is always tough, but their rescuers say they are determined to make this happen. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com.
9: This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
2: You're
0: listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on,
8: learn more. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com.
1: It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. The toll-free number is 1-866-405-8405. Let's visit with our good friend and certified behaviorist and trainer, Mikkel Becker, is joining us. Hi, Mikkel. How are you doing?
10: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing just really great. It's a nice sunny day in Seattle. and
1: Oh, is that where you are today? Okay.
10: Oh, I am. You're and always it's, traveling. It's beautiful. I, I know. I, I've, it's been nice this last month. I've actually been home, and I've been able to enjoy it. I've been riding my horse and just being able to do all those nice things that don't get to do as much when I'm traveling.
1: Yeah, well, you're out promoting the very important message of fear-free, and a little over a year ago... We first started talking about fear-free certified veterinarians, and then uh, we moved it into the homes with fear-free happy homes. And now there's a brand new course for trainers. Is this for dog trainers in particular?
10: So it's for all animal trainers. It's directed for a lot of the training is directed primarily towards dogs and cats, but the training really encompasses all species. And we have a variety of species that are featured in the course and. It's for trainers that have gone through certain educational courses or have certain level of certification that can take the course. And we do that so so that way for the veterinary professionals who partner with the, the fear-free animal trainer, or for pet parents, that so they can find a trainer who really has those credentials and and can really separate them from maybe those who who don't have the same level of knowledge or the same type of commitment to protecting the pet's emotional well-being. So that's one of the main reasons that we really wanted to find trainers that we could train and fear-free, but who were also already at the level that we really wanted and we knew that pet owners could trust.
6: So what sort of pet owners should seek out professional training?
10: Really all pet owners. I, I Training is very beneficial, both preventively and also if you're dealing with an issue and preventively when we look at fear-free it's much much better if you can teach your dog your cat your pig or your bird whatever it is that you have to enjoy veterinary care and home husbandry care. so such as giving medication or just doing normal grooming and making that positive from the start so both preventively and also if you're dealing with issues and you already have fear anxiety and stress it's the time is now whether it's something that you do just early on or you're already tackling something.
1: And as you mentioned, it's for all species, for even your flamingo, your pet flamingo could be (laughs) fear-free if you want. How does the (laughs) fear-free message make a difference in training and behavior?
10: It makes a huge difference in training and behavior because it's all about both the physical and the emotional well-being of pets. And in the past, there has been some separation between veterinary professionals and trainers. And what the Fear Free course really does is it takes it takes both so it takes both those reputable trainers and veterinary professionals and merges them together so we we form a collaboration and a partnership where pet owners are better served because their animals are receiving care both for their physical well-being through veterinary care and also their emotional well-being with the fear-free support that can be provided both in training that can help the pet feel more comfortable with care and also training and behavior help that's supportive of Fear Free and of that animal's emotional well-being.
1: So how can we find a certified trainer? Is there uh, some kind of database?
10: Go to fearfreepets.com and you can. there's a searchable directory where you can search by the professional type if you want a trainer or a veterinary professional. And you can also search by your location so you can find those that are closest to you.
1: And I have a lot of trainer friends. How do I get them certified? <laughs>
10: <laughs> well, have them also go to fearfreepets.com and go to the the trainer bar and they can find out all about the course. And I would love to have your friends involved. It, I'm so excited about this course. It has been months in the making and has really it's been a collaboration with a lot of really highly skilled professionals. And so there's some really good content that I think they'll really like to see.
1: Okay. Before you go, anyone that knows Mikkel knows she has awesome tips. Give us one, please.
10: One of the best things that you can do when you are grooming your pet, so say your dog or your cat, which yes, some cats definitely can have baths, um, is to have a non-slip surface on the bottom of the sink or the tub that you're bathing your pet in. Whenever a pet slides and slips, it's really, really scary. So, one of the easiest ways to make bath time less frightening is to have that non slip surface underneath them, and they'll feel a lot more comfortable and calm. I love it. I
1: I do that
10: for your cat for my, no
6: I don't bathe my cat I do that for my little dog I put in the sink and I put down a piece of foam rubber across the bottom of the sink so she gets cushioned and she won't slip her little feet
1: It's a great idea
6: yeah good for you
1: if you want to learn more check out fearfreepets.com or fearfreehappyhomes and of course links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet Mikkel thanks so much for coming on you're always so welcome here
10: oh thank you it's such a pleasure and I love speaking to both of you
1: this portion of animal radio was underwritten by fear-free
8: the veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go with fear-free that all changes to learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you visit fearfreepets.com dogs or cats horse or
9: emu people too. a family in maine were minding their own business at home when an uninvited deer bounded through their parlor window hurling a sofa and scrambling through the home laurie and matthew cunningham did all they could to keep the jumping deer away from their son and the priceless antiques and heirlooms they had Everything happened so fast, Matthew had no idea what kind of animal it was, but he struggled with it and somehow got the deer into the bathroom where it calmed down under a pedestal sink. The Cunninghams called some neighbors and used a piece of plywood to coax the deer out the window of a home office. Everything's back to normal now, except for their four-year-old son, Zach, who keeps asking, why was there a reindeer in our house? I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animal our people,
5: to Animal Radio. Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today.
1: People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers, just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and
0: gluten-free. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds to take care of your business. A couple of weeks ago, I believe, Lori, you reported on the Smart Team. Was oh, it...
2: those guys in Los Angeles. Yeah. The, like the rock climbers that climb anything and everything to save animals.
1: Judy, you, you've you managed to get Acting Lieutenant Armando. Now, how do you pronounce your last name, Armando? Uh,
11: it's Navarrete. Na- hey.
1: Navarrete. Navarrete. A... Navarrete. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> You are, uh, you're a climber by, by trade or well, just by hobby? When did you start it was climbing? Actually,
11: it was actually by hobby. We started rock climbing just because it was a fun outdoor activity. And when I started in this job back in 1997, I thought we were going to be rescuing animals. And we found that there was no training for it. So we just thought, well, if we can climb rocks, uh, how hard would it be to climb buildings or trees? Of course, we didn't have the right training or ropes. So it was kind of trial and error. But luckily, I'm still here. Uh, to talk about those trials and errors, but we've advanced a lot since we've started back in 2009. Okay,
1: so there's seven of
11: you? No, actually, we've grown. Right now, there's 11, and we're going to be taking on three, possibly four new team members, uh, hopefully by the end of this month, that that all work for uh, LA Animal Services. Give us an overview. What do you guys do? Do you go around rescuing the animals from high places, or what? We rescue any type of animal, domestic or wildlife, owned or not owned. Uh, vicious or not vicious, cute or ugly, it doesn't matter. Any animal that's in distress, which means if it's stuck somewhere where the regular animal control officers can't get to them or even in some cases where fire personnel has said, you know what, it's an animal, we don't deal with that, so we're going to pass it on to you. Anything that needs rescuing, any four-legged, three-legged, furry, not furry, slimy type of critter, (laughs) we go after and we've successfully rescued all the ones we've gone after.
6: Is this a paid position or are you volunteers?
11: Luckily... I get paid for this. I work for Los Angeles Animal Services. I'm an animal control officer too. And believe me, we're lucky enough to get paid for this. But even if I didn't have get paid, I would still do it because it's just something that has to get done.
3: Yeah, that's cool. And what is like the craziest situation that you've rescued an animal from?
11: It's funny you ask that because everybody seems to ask that. And I always have an answer for it because every rescue we do seems to top the last one we just did. So <laughs> where I would tell you that, oh, you know what, last week... Well, last month it was crazy because we had to rescue two cows that were trapped in an overturned trailer on the freeway. It gets topped by we had to rescue a pet chameleon that was five stories up on a building. had been there for four days. So we had to oh send gosh. people to rappel over to get a little pet chameleon that was very cooperative, thank goodness. So it, we always have the what's your craziest rescue story. We always have one that tops the next one.
1: Oh, jeez. Wow. <laughs> the, the pet chameleon thing, I mean, I love every, I, every animal I love. They're like family. But I got I to gotta think that there's tax dollars that are probably paying everybody's salary
11: to go rescue that chameleon. Is that correct? They are. But I'll tell you what we found out, and this is what fire departments love about us, is that if it was a cat in a tree, a pet chameleon, a dog over a cliff, or a horse – Most people nowadays, with social media especially, are going to go out there and try to do it themselves, which now puts those people in danger. Then the fire department has to go out to rescue those people. Now, the fire Uh department doesn't go out with just two or three people. They go out with at least 20 to 30, depending on the size of the animal and the location. So we're actually saving the city money by having a small unit. Believe me, I wish I could take all 11 of us to a rescue, but reality is people have their lives and they have other jobs so we le- we're lucky if we get three or four of our top-notch rescuers to, re- to respond to these rescues. And tr- believe me, it's not like we make a lot of money doing this either. So we do what we can, and it is taxpayer money, but it's also a great service that we provide the citizens of Los Angeles along with the uh, big pet community we have here.
1: A uh, little elf has just walked into the studio and handed me this wish list. You have a wish list? <laughs>
11: Yes, we do have a pretty extensive wish list, but let me tell you, everything on that list is important because we do have a budget, but being a government agency, budgets can fluctuate from zero to a couple hundred dollars to a few thousand. But it's always one of those things that can get cut immediately because the funds need to go somewhere else. So uh, we need to have this kind of a wish list out because the equipment we have – has a lifespan. If it gets used a certain amount of times, we have to either discard it or replace it. So the wish list is something that we really hope that people will say, well, I'll buy you one of those because just one of those items means a lot to us, to our team. What's
1: the website if people want to learn
11: more? com slash smart. That'll get you right to our webpage, tells you more about us. And it also lets you donate not only to us, but also to our department.
2: Wait, I just have one question before yes. you go. Sure. We, I'm sure you, you mentioned that you always get that, you know, what's the craziest call you've ever had? I'm curious, what's the most dangerous?
11: Well, I always tell people when they join the team that they're, they have to be ready for Mission Impossible because every rescue we come upon is never textbook. Even though we've done something similar, it's never like, oh, that one's an easy one. We've done it before. So some of the more dangerous ones are the high elevation ones because we're putting people in trees like a tree trimmer, except we're not going to be – going after a branch that we're going to cut, we're actually going after an animal that has a fight or flight mentality. So they can either go higher or even to attempt, attempt to jump. So for the rescuers, maybe one of the main climbers, it's very difficult and dangerous because you're you're putting everything on the line on a rope and a branch usually. And we train to minimize the risk, but, you know, so far we've been very, very good at not getting into any big trouble because of our training. So I would say that every rescue has its danger level, some more, some less, but they're all dangerous. Well, we salute you.
1: We're all saluting you right That's now. That's awesome. Acting lieutenant. Why, why just acting lieutenant? Why aren't you just oh. the lieutenant? lieutenant? Yeah, what's that about?
11: <laughs> Actually, I'm no longer <laughs> acting. They took that away from me. So I'm just regular Officer Navarette.
1: I love it. Joining us on Animal Radio. Thank you so much, Armando.
11: Thank you guys for having us. Thanks for the support. Thanks, Armando. We're going to head back to the
1: phones for your calls next. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
4: All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind.
0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and now from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts,
1: Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Imagine being with your spouse for years and years and years and years, and you decide to split up, and but you have the dog, and you're like, okay, what do we do with the dog?
6: I'm taking the dog. It's my dog. It's my dog. I spend more time with the dog. My dog.
1: Yes. There is a lawyer, an attorney, Attorney Jeremy Cohn, that represents only dogs and works for a firm called Boston Dog Lawyers. And this hour, he will be answering questions, the common questions that you have for dog lawyers these days, uh, which would be custody, maybe biting, maybe breed bans, all of these things. We'll find out more in just a couple of minutes with Jeremy Cohn from the Boston Dog Lawyers right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on in the newsroom?
2: I've got a huge warning from the government about uh, something that you might be treating treating your dog with, as in, here you want a treat, you don't want this one, and we'll tell you why. <laughs>
1: Ladybug just looked right up when you said yeah. that just now.
2: <laughs> got to spell that word. Roe knows the T word, too. Let's uh,
1: take another call for Dr. Debbie. How about that? Dr. Debbie, and we have Henry on the phone. Hi, Henry.
8: Hi, I have a uh, kind of a geriatric old black cat. He's my favorite cat. He's getting kind of old there. And I notice that he has a uh, patch on his rear side that doesn't seem to ever heal. And uh, it gets bigger, and he bites at it all the time. I notice, though, that it kind of recovers, never fully, when I give him uh, his flea drops for the month.
3: Hmm, okay. So it gets better when he is treated for his flea drops. Tr- Treatment. Yeah,
8: the family actually thinks that it might be dust mites, but, you know, I, I wanted to get the official doctor. <laughs> it, yeah, it looks bad, but it, it gets better around the periphery.
3: Okay. Well, well, definitely, you know, fleas actually are the number one um, allergenic um, material for cats. So when they have skin disease and they're chewing and scratching, approximately 80% of the time it's flea allergy disease. Um, so that's the number one thing. So if the flea treatment seems to be helping, yeah, that could be part of the thing. Now, whether or not it's mites or something microscopic, ah, you know, possibly. Um, in an, is this an indoor kitty or an outdoor kitty?
8: Uh, well, it's an indoor and outdoor kitty. You know, he. we're trying to get him to we, – we have a big house. You know what I mean? We can't – he likes to run. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's supposed to be inside, but, you know, he, he, he gets in and out, you know.
3: Okay. Just because, you know, for an older cat that's indoors, um, mites aren't terribly common unless there's something else going on. So when they're immunosuppressed or some other disease process is going on, and then maybe we can have a mite problem. But, you know, actually, skin disease in older cats can even occur with health problems like diabetes and thyroid problems. So if this is a geriatric kitty, um, it might be well worth a trip to the vet to make sure we don't have something like that going on, Um, and then really focus on some of the, the skin treatments that we might try beyond the flea treatment, and those might include um, certainly uh, types of hypoallergenic diets that we can try using, um, and for some kitties, it's really a matter of making sure that um, all the ins and the outs are good, that we're on a good quality diet, we're doing regular grooming procedures, and then, you know, checking out things like even arthritis in older kitties, it's a subtle, silent problem that they don't often complain about, but I do see cats groom themselves excessively in the hind areas when they are having pain down there so it can be one of those kind of things that you don't always know about and cats aren't like dogs you know they don't often show like that limp that gimp with arthritis Um, and it really has to be detected by an x-ray to see if they've got spinal problems or hip problems Um, but a little treatment with some glucosamine might be a uh, trick to try as well to see if your kitty is having some of those aching joints that comes along with old age
8: Okay, thank you so much, because that excessive licking uh, and and that, that just that description, how he's moving, does sound mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you get key points even without being here.
3: Well, good. Hey, reaching across those radio waves to help our listeners. Thank you so much, Henry, and okay. give your kitty a good scratch on the head for us. Um, well, thank you for your call. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. We're waiting here.
1: This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. Now, diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hey,
3: Cindy. Hello.
1: Welcome to Animal Radio. I've got the good doctor, Dr. Debbie, right here. What's up?
3: Hi.
12: Well, hello, Dr. Debbie. Um, we listen to you every Saturday morning when we're traveling, so we
3: appreciate the good advice.
12: Oh, well, um, thank you
3: for tuning in.
12: <laughs> I have a three-year-old golden doodle. Um, we, she has been being cared for when we're traveling, when hotels take her um, in a kennel. It is a veterinary kennel. We did a Bordetella shot booster. We do them every six months uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of June. And they said there was a new strain of Bordetella running around. So because the um, veterinary clinics or the CDC cannot keep up with it, they thought an additional booster would help her. And now she's okay. to blow it. So we did a booster about three and a half weeks after she had the first one. And we brought her home, and now she's trying to clear her nose, constantly sneezing, and it feels like she's trying to blow her nose.
3: Okay. She's lethargic. Is she? Okay. And this is, I'm sorry, how long after that vaccination was given? It was about three and a half, four weeks. All right, and you know, I guess the the bottom line with Bordetella is that there's there's different types of vaccinations. So there's an intranasal form that's kind of like the flu mist vaccination. So like little kids get that um, nasally sprayed, uh, and there's an injection form. And and I'd have to say we do see some potential um, clinical signs after an intranasal Bordetella. Usually it's pretty mild and self-limiting. A little sneezing, coughing, reverse sneezing—that horrible like <laughs> kind of sound. Right. So usually it's pretty um, short in its duration. Um, kind of depends. If I have a pet who's really sick, then I will definitely do some lab work on them, and we can do specific testing for different agents and whether or not it, you know, we can say it's from the vaccination or not. Um, I, you know, I, I have had the occasional pet have those kind of clinical signs after a nasal bordetella vaccine, but I still believe in the product, and it can be very good for a pet that has a upcoming bordet visit and it gives us um kind of in a pinch in the quick time frame it gives us some of the best protection um, on that uh, short timeline um but that being said you know i want to make sure your baby is well and if necessary you know i would certainly see if we need to get her treated or you know maybe at least on an antihistamine to help control some of those signs for her
12: Um, okay uh such as benadryl
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, often Benadryl. There's some other ones that we'll prescribe as well just to kind of help, you know, minimize those clinical signs of the sneezing, coughing, um, that type of thing. Okay. And, you know, if, if a dog does show a sensitivity with these kind of signs after a nasal board of televaccination, then, you know, we might really look at giving the injectable form in the future just to kind of avoid that potential. And it sounds like you're a good parent and you're up to date on shots. Um, so that might just be a good strategy for her in the future there.
12: So the injectables are a six-month inoculation, or are they a year?
3: You know, there's a little bit of some controversy with that, and some of that we discuss on the lifestyle and the exposure for the pets. Um, Here we typically, using either product, we'll do that on an every six-month interval if we have a pet who's in a more of a high-risk group. Um, and that would be pets that are boarded, that go to the grooming parlor, go to pet shows, things like that. Um, if it's only the occasional animal exposure or minimal, um, then usually we just stick with that once a year um, vaccination, whether we use the nasal or the injection form. But, uh, well,
12: I, I appreciate that my vet likes to be very safe, and so we do it every six months regardless. You, <laughs> just, you just show up here and get your dog groomed. We're going to make you take the shot so or take the nasal. So we've, mm-hmm. we've been doing nasal, but we've never had the symptoms where she's trying to blow her nose. Um, mm-hmm. My husband has one more question about it, and he was wondering about exertion. I mean, she just um, she loves to swim, and mm-hmm. she just swims until her tail goes cold. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been trying to keep her away from that, that situation. But um, he doesn't know how much exertion, because she, she will play with the ball and swim until she, you know... We have to go out and get her.
3: (laughs) Okay. So this is unrelated to her kind of sneezing thing right now. You're just asking if, if that's too much for her to do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there is a condition we call swimmer's tail where basically a dog can sprain their tail. And after really intense swimming, retrieving um, activities, they'll actually have pain in the tail where they don't want to raise it. They mope around. And it can be really uncomfortable. You know, if we're in that category, then I'd say we need to temper things down. But if she seems to recover pretty well, we're watching the, the ambient temperature and it's not too hot out uh, for that level of activity. Oh, my gosh, my dogs will retrieve for an hour at a time um, as long as the conditions are right. So, if she's enjoying it and seeming to physically hold up to that and not having a sore tail afterwards, then I don't see a problem with that.
12: Okay. Well, we haven't gone to sore tail for, we d- discovered it two years
3: ago and we haven't gone back there.
12: So, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I mean, a dog is not happy if it's not waking its tail.
3: Yes, yes. And you know, my own Labrador has had swimmer's tail before. And it's a pathetic thing. And you know, it's hard to imagine they can actually sprain their tail, but any muscle in our body, you overuse it, and you'll feel the difference the next day. <laughs> so thank you for your call, Cindy. And thanks for tuning in to us here at Animal Radio. How's the well, kitty? The kitty is good, but very naughty. Oh, very naughty. <laughs>
2: And Incred- when isn't a kitten naughty? okay? When yeah. does she do something naughty that you don't laugh at, though?
3: Well, th- there's the direction of biting <laughs> towards me. Ah. You know, I'm the primary <laughs> caregiver. I feed, I clean, I entertain. I take her to work with me every day. and I can hold her, and she'll bite the crap out of me. And then somebody else holds her and she lays on her back and she needs oh. dough, and she lets them rub her chin. and I'm like, One girl even rubbed her belly, and she sat there and took it. And I tried to touch her, and she just nails me. (laughs) Oh, my God. You just taste good, probably. Perhaps. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
8: Hi, this is Brandon
0: McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop.
13: Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shredded
0: as a topper. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
8: Hi, Elliot.
5: Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing all
1: right. What's going on with your pet? Dr. Debbie's right here.
5: Okay, Hi, well, he's two and a half year old chihuahua. He's got a little bit of mini pin in him. But uh, all his life, he's, his stools have been. Kind of thin and watery, or, or I call it uh, slimy. Uh, he got spoiled on people food, and I'm trying to get him back on regular dog food. Okay. And it used to be if you could let him go hungry enough, he would start eating his dog food again. And he's been throwing up.
3: Wow, we got a lot going on there, Elliot. And when you say slimy poops, he's always been that way? I mean, has that? have you varied his diet? Has he, was that when he was on predominantly dog food? Well, actually,
5: we got him when he was ten weeks old. My son had him, and evidently they started him on dog and people food from day one. But yes, yeah, poop's been saw me pretty much all his life.
3: Okay, you know what? That really bothers me when I hear that he's always had some digestive disturbance. If he's always had loose poop and now intermittent vomiting, oh gosh! You know, I'm going to say that that with, this is really a health problem we're talking about, and not so much just a diet preference issue. Um, The reason being is that we humans unknowingly create medical problems for our pets. And a great way to do that is to feed Table food, And I can tell you I had a good t- intention pet owner just the other day fed prime rib to his pet. And wouldn't you know, vomiting and diarrhea ensued. It's not that it's a bad kind of meat. It's not that it was undercooked. It's just dogs thrive best digestively when they're on a consistent, stable diet. When we give them things that we eat, we're varying their diet from day to day and even from hour to hour. So it's best to try to stick to that food. Um, right. Now, the first thing I'm going to say is with that chronic Digestive disturbance. I am going to, if he were here in my office, I would be doing fecal tests and I would be doing blood work on him and parasite tests because all of these things can cause chronic problems. And if we're not addressing that, all of my recommendations for trying to get him to eat a certain food are just going to be. Is worth as worthless as a piece of paper so um that's very important and if you haven't already done a good examination and concern with your veterinarian i'm going to recommend that and come armed with poop sample in hand to your veterinary visit for a concern like this it it, it helps tremendously to have that poop information up front and uh, visible for the veterinarian to look at so that's your first part of your homework there um yeah, I'm now
5: a i'm over the road I'm going to have to try to get home or find a vet somewhere out here on the road.
3: Um, Yes, absolutely. I'm worried about it. He's
5: my little baby.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, with traveling, that does open up a whole additional uh, can of worms, if you will, as far as when it comes to things like parasites and intestinal worms. So if you're traveling a lot all across the country, and he's going with you, I'm assuming? Yes. Okay, so, you know, this, this fellow, more than any other dog, a traveling pet needs to be on regular heartworm preventative and regular deworming for internal parasites. If you're not already on that, that, too, will kind of give you extra weight to get get him to the veterinarian because we need to be doing that for his health mm-hmm. and preventative care. He's due um, for
5: another heartworm pill, and uh, uh, I haven't dewormed him in a while. I guess I should start doing that, you know, before I get to a
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, and then I guess if we could fast forward and say his health is good and we're just looking at how do we get a picky eater to eat. uh, There's a lot of tips there. And it's hard if us humans complicate the situation by feeding from the table or feeding treats. So some general strategies are to set the food down, keep it down for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then to remove it for a picky eater. That would be very important to set a mealtime strategy and get the pet in the mindset that this is when food is offered and this is when it goes away. If he knows an hour later you're going to give him something off off of your plate, mm, he's he's going to hold out for that. And dogs will go three days or more without eating, just with the battle of wills. And uh, you have to kind of design your line in the sand. For everyone, it's different. For me, it's three days. And that's how long I will go without a pet eating barring that they're in good health and everything else is fine. And, um, you know, if you stick to that tough love, you can do it. Now, the other things you can do would be to increase the the dog's exercise. Um, More exercise, the more calories you burn, the more you're going to eat. Unfortunately, it is true, and all of us people trying to lose weight, that you don't want to hear that, but it does rev your metabolism, so getting some daily exercise is important. And then setting up some structure to the feeding time, so we're going to talk about setting the time, but also certain bowls. Some pets prefer plates, some prefer bowls, some just like to eat off of a dog mat, so you have to find what is best for your dog, what they like, and to really reward the eating behavior. So that means we don't want to reward the lack of eating which many humans do where we we baby talk the dog, "Oh, good doggy, good doggy, good doggy." But they're not doing anything good. They're sitting there staring at a full bowl and not eating. So you want to right. reward your dog when he's eating and and hold back that praise when he's not and uh, work on those diet strategies there. But I would say that I think a good health exam and maybe even a special diet uh, for potential uh, food allergies and such might be in your doggie's reality here if we can uh, get you lined up with your veterinarian and then working on some of these behavioral tips there. Good luck with that, Elliot.
9: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. You smell like a pig. You might not be able to say that much longer. Purdue University scientists are trying to determine why pigs smell so much and how they can make it stop. Their research is in response to growing pressure from federal regulators, environmentalists, and rural residents sick of the stench. Linda and Perry Trader's Indiana backyard is so stinky from a nearby hog farm they have to stay inside never using their swimming pool. Scientists are attacking the stink where it starts. Hogs are fed experimental feeds to help change the strong sulfur and ammonia smells they leave behind, and the research is promising. Scientists say that pig farms won't ever smell great, just maybe more like cattle farms. Humphrey Savage for Animal Radio are people, too.
1: Animal Radio. Okay, yes, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studios stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com.
10: I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio, and adopt from your local shelter.
2: This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Lori Brooks. Well, for some reason, most cats seem to love fishy flavors, don't they? But researchers have discovered something that could mean pet food with fish in it might be unhealthy for your cat. You see, previous research shows that over the past three decades, the number of cats diagnosed with hyperthyroidism has dramatically increased and experts wanted to know why. They did, going into this, have two theories – One, that exposure to flame retardants could be responsible or fish-flavored cat food could also be the culprit. They weren't sure. But uh, hyperthyroidism is a hormonal disorder. It can cause weight loss, hyperactivity, aggression, vomiting, and other symptoms in cats and Right now, no one really knows for sure what causes it. But some studies have suggested that there is a connection between environmental pollutants known as PCBs and PBDEs, which are found in flame retardants. However, the same byproduct, if you didn't know this, it can also occur naturally with fish consumption in cats. So the experts set out to find the cause of all of the increased cases of hyperthyroidism in felines, and based on their results, they concluded that the PCB and PBDE byproducts that were detected at high levels in cats' blood samples, well, that those likely came from fish flavored food Hmm. Hmm. but you know as goes all the time they say with most studies this is the same case the researchers say further research is still needed but if you want to be on the forefront of something or you're just you know not the kind who wants to take a chance i thought it was something you might want to know Social media has been great for animals and animal lovers, finding homes and things like that, but it also gets a lot of people in trouble, and in this case, deservedly so. Police in Ontario, California, are investigating what appears to be a case of animal abuse after somebody posted a horrific, very graphic video where a young man, maybe as young as a teenager, hurled this cat super high into the air And then it shows the cat falling to the ground and very clearly in pain after it landed. The whole video was less than 10 seconds long, but needless to say, that video went viral very quickly. And the police department there in Ontario was bombarded with calls instantly. Calls from all over the country, some around the world with people reporting the incident. Officers then went door-to-door in the neighborhood where they believed that this horrible thing had happened. They did find the cat, and they found its owner. The cat is okay. It does have a broken leg, but it's going to be fine, and police are still searching for the young man in that video. And, um, Dr. Debbie, I'm wondering if maybe you've gotten a new job with the FDA. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) 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 Anti-bone. Dr. Debbie, anti-bone woman, yes. The FDA has issued warnings now for ham bones, pork femur bones, rib bones, and smoky knuckle bones, which I believe are pork as well, saying they could be dangerous for your dog. The federal agency has collected at least, they say, 68 reports referencing about 90 different dogs in those reports, but... Fifteen of those dogs actually died after they ate those kinds of bones. Uh, Problems associated with the bones, according to the agency, include choking, cutting and wounds, vomiting, diarrhea, bleeding, and yes, death in some cases. Though experts are very quick to add, other experts, that chicken bones can cause the same problems. So do your animal parent friends a favor. And do not give them prepackaged bones or rawhide treats for them or their pets over the holidays, okay? I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at
9: AnimalRadio.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for
1: iPhone and Android going to visit with Jeremy Cohn. Jeremy, you may remember, I believe he was on in, uh, was it 2016 or so? He came on, and uh, we discovered that he's, he's an amazing guy. First of all, he had a great practice working with insurance fraud, and then he decided to kind of put that aside and deal with dogs, and now he represents dogs. Wow. Hey, Jeremy, welcome back.
13: Hi, thank you. Great to be on your show.
1: Always, and you know, I salute you and commend you. Now, what kind of uh, cases do you represent?
13: Well, it grows every day. Uh, with, with every phone call, there's a new uh, dog-related issue. Right now, uh, a big one is custody cases where uh, people either were living together and split up, and now they have a debate over who should, who should be able to take care of the dog or cat. Uh, we're also handling um, a lot of negligence cases, wrongful injury or wrongful death of pets caused by a third party. And those are real difficult to hear about. But uh, we listen and see if we can do something that other people haven't been able to do, which is get animals to be considered, get our pets to be considered more than just property under the law.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, most states, I think all states, they're considered uh, property. So let's go back to the custody. I have questions about that. Because sure. 20 years ago, that was not a problem. <laughs> you didn't have couples breaking up, and, and one of them wanted the dog or the cat. How do these end up, and what, what are the factors that determine whether or not somebody gets the dog or cat? Or do you work kind of a visitation so both of them get that?
13: Well, uh, I was in court today working on one where it was very clear from the judge's expression uh, that he wanted us to work out our own joint custody agreement. Some judges will entertain it. Again, like you said, they're just not used to seeing these types of cases. When I take a case like this, I want to see who named the dog, where the dog was was taken from. Was it a rescue? Was it purchased? Who did the research on what type of dog they wanted to have? Who brought the dog to the relationship? And then I look at... What, it's a, so someone might own the dog financially, but who's the owner of the day-to-day management of the dog? Who walks the dog? Who trains the dog? Who comes home and changes their schedule to feed the dog? The more you can think about different factors, the more you can add, because it's such a new area. that there's, We look at all these factors. Another factor that's been very helpful in winning has been, who has the more experience taking care of dogs? Or if you have an older dog, does the person that I'm representing, do they have a history with knowing how to care for a dog as they age? So uh, really, if you can think it, you can say it as a factor right now.
6: Do you ever have any dog napping where someone who doesn't have custody will actually take the dog and run?
13: Absolutely. Like I said, every day is a a different type of issue. I have one right now where uh, the aunt of my client said, hey, can I just come over and visit your dog for a little bit? That was two years ago. And we're still fighting to get the dog back. She came over, they let her in the house and she took the dog and never brought him back. Is that because
2: a dog is considered property and in possession, they always say it's nine tenths of the law?
13: Well, it definitely gives you leverage if you have the property. But here, police generally don't get involved in it because they see it as a civil case. And then you go to civil court, and generally they don't want to get involved in it. But we're compelling them to get involved. And I think if somebody takes your pet, the number one thing you can do, though, still, is to, is to uh, log a complaint at the police station, at least have a police report made out. So you want to be able to show that right away you took steps to assert your ownership rights because if not, people tend to say, well, they abandoned the dog. They had no interest in keeping the dog, things like that. So, unfortunately, even against family members, sometimes you have to protect yourself and your pet.
6: Are you seeing prenups now that are including custody of these animals?
13: I have not drafted any, and no one who's come to me has had one. Uh, I've seen it called pet nuptials. And what, what I find we're doing is we're, we're doing these agreements after they split up. Mm. Right, So they could easily have done it together beforehand and not each had to go out and get lawyers to write up some type of joint agreement. But then what happens is if it's um, a romantic relationship that went bad, one of the parties operates through this agreement, the joint custody, and then they end up getting a new boyfriend or girlfriend, and that person is the catalyst for bringing the case to court. Because a new boyfriend or girlfriend, they don't want to have to deal with your connection to somebody still over a pet that they uh-huh. that they never wanted.
1: Do the judges ever look at you and say, why are you wasting the court's time?
13: <laughs> uh, there's a certain look that says the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I've had judges pull me into chambers and say, this is great. I'm so excited. I've got something to tell my family. Like, it's a different type of case, and it's more progressive. And I think... The more times I go in front of the same judge, there's an understanding now that, okay, this is for real. (laughs) This is what he does, and I guess this is the way it's going to be. This is going to happen more and more. But you can kind of sense when the judge wants you to go and try to work something out on your own. And if you show that you're making those steps, uh, he or she definitely gives you the benefit of the doubt when you're asking for him to approve something.
6: Are there enough of these cases that you can do it full-time?
13: Well, I get a call, at least one call every day about an issue. It doesn't mean that they become clients. Some people just need some guidance. Again, what we're seeing now is, for instance, uh, we just had a dog die because he was poisoned by a national exterminating company who was cited for uh, You know what?
1: I want to hear this story, but we've got to take a quick break. We are with sure. dog attorney Jeremy Cohn. From the Boston Dog Lawyers. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back and we'll find out exactly what happened with this uh, company that was spraying pesticides right here on Animal Radio. Check out Animal Radio highlights.
0: All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet.
7: You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic. And maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? Pet Joy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call Pet Joy right now. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. That's 800-451-1359.
13: Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio.
5: Remember to spay and neuter your pets.
1: Animal Radio. We are with dog attorney Jeremy Cohn. And when I say dog attorney, he's not a dog. He just only represents dogs,
6: <laughs> specifically.
1: Even though my wife would say all guys are dogs. But that's a whole <laughs> different thing for another time. Jeremy, just before the break, you were telling us uh, about a case. Go ahead, and uh, can you start over? Sure.
13: Uh, the case is about Brooklyn. She's a great 11-year-old chihuahua. And uh, when her mother, pet parent, was at work The landlord let an extermination company into her apartment. She had never complained about rodents. The landlord later admitted they let the exterminator into the wrong apartment, and they laid bait traps, unlabeled bait traps, which ultimately uh, Brooklyn ingested and died from, uh, from the poisoning. And the state went in and investigated and found that the extermination company did in fact use illegal and improper bait. Thing is, they never left a note that they were there. So my client, while we know pets are a property and she may not be able to recover much money, all she was looking for was the cost of the vet vet bill and um, and the cremation, which was around $500, but they wouldn't pay it. She wants to try to make a change where these exterminators have to come in and leave a note at least to say, hey, we were here, this is what we did, and this is where the traps are so that if they're not sure if the person has a pet or not, that person, the the owner, can come home and at least say, "Okay, there's bait traps in here, and there shouldn't be." But uh, it was a series of mistakes by two relatively large companies who just won't take accountability, and that's one of the reasons that that my firm is in existence, just to hold people and the laws accountable now to pets and their owners.
2: Did Boy, did those she... companies are absolutely guilty, right there. I, I would be furious.
13: Oh, oh, this fury, and um, you know, it's making, It's made the local media, and one of the problems is if we don't put in punishments that might force these companies to make a big payout, they really don't have to fear doing the wrong thing, because it's never going to cost them a lot of money, and we know that the bottom line is what drives these companies. So changing the law would change their behavior. Well, and
1: you know, that brings up a big question here. Obviously, we're dealing with uh, what is considered property, and there's probably not a big value on dogs. I, I hate to say that but it's probably the way the, the law looks at them. Lawyers generally make uh, a little bit of what they recover. How can you stay financially afloat with uh, very low payouts?
13: Well, that's the question that um, that I have other types of dog cases, horse cases, cat cases that will help pay the bills as they come in. And I made the business decision about a year and a half ago to take these cases because, sure, I found out nobody takes them, like you said, because you – You only get paid on these if you recover. I am willing to risk the low payouts in recovery because I I couldn't hang up on these people. I couldn't say no. Someone has to do it. And perhaps we'll be in a position one day where uh, that changes, but at least now I can give legislators specific examples of where this law is butting heads with the right thing to do and, and the right things that need to happen. So... Sure, it is. Uh, it's difficult when you have a couple dozen of these cases at one time, and but uh, we just somebody has to do it. Uh, we're no, we're not heroes here or anything, but it is right in the line of what we do. So let's see where we can go with it. I tell all the clients, it's just, these are experimental because we're trying new ways to try to uh, affect behavior.
1: You're a pioneer in what you're doing. You're breaking <laughs> Kudos breaking you. new ground. Uh, yeah. We we don't have a lot of time, but before we go, can you tell us about the uh, one, one of your bite cases where the, the dog might have been provoked?
5: Sure. Uh,
13: we have a case right now where the dog is essentially in doggy jail for the last three months because he allegedly only goes after golden retrievers. And what we found out is the dog's very first battle was with a golden retriever a long time ago, three or four years ago. And what we've learned, we assembled a team of um, behaviors, dog's profile, and in this case, uh, someone knowingly Knowing that the dog had a propensity to not like golden retrievers allowed her golden retriever to run across our dog's on, Chance's lawn, and uh, Chance reacted. And if the decision to, to jail him right now is unfair, we've, we've, we're in the middle of a trial, and uh, that's the type of provocation coming onto someone's property, trespassing, throwing rocks, antagonizing that can, can change uh, that's important facts that can change the outcome where if somebody contributes to the bite or their animal contributes to the bite perhaps the biter uh is not is not liable is not guilty of a crime or a, uh you know of of a tort
1: what's the website jeremy
13: it is www.bostondoglawyers.com we speak to people all over the country it be Great to hear from anybody with any questions.
2: What if somebody came to you with with a cat case?
13: Uh, looking at my board right now, I have three cat cases. We'll take it. If it's a pet, we'll take it. We have a couple of horse cases. Uh, I'm trying to keep it just to pets and not overall animal welfare because there's so many lawyers who are taking care of that stuff. So if it's a pet, we'll certainly entertain taking it.
1: We're going to have to talk to you again. There's so much more I want to know. We're just out of time. Jeremy Cohn from Boston Dog Lawyers. will put his uh, all his information over at AnimalRadio.pet and links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks so much.
13: You guys are great. Thank you. Take care. Okay.
1: Well, they're kicking us out of the studio. It's time for us to get on out of here. Remember, if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And if you need that fix during the week, you just need an Animal Radio fix, head on over to AnimalRadio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and Blackberry. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here.
2: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye Bye-bye.